What up and welcome to a podcast of Mo. I am Mo. This is episode 243. On this episode, I'm joined by CLNY. I talk about the Patreon merch shop, talk about crypto, music distribution, music talk, more American. That's her album. Race talk, politics, transitioning, and a bunch of other uh, shit in between. Thanks for checking us out. What up? Uh, First thing I got to get to before I call our guest this week is uh, this podcast is supported by a place called patreon.com slash a podcast with Mo. There will be a link in the description of the podcast. You can go there and give a dollar or more a month and get early access to all the podcast episodes. Uh, If you give enough, you can be like my mother, Hurricane Haynes, Marshall, the Dharma Initiative, Bear, and Pow Wow. Be a co-producer, get shouted every week, feel fucking awesome, like you're just the bee's knees, as the kids would say. And um, also we have a merch shop if you would like an actual something of value. You can go to shop.spreadshirt.com slash the podcast MO, and you can get a cool uh, podcast shirt. I highly recommend it. Um, all right, this week I'm calling a friend of the podcast. Someone I actually use in our like little Facebook banner to kind of help me show off my diversity. Uh, and you know, she goes by a few different names. I personally call her CLNY myself. Um, I guess CL is what she's named herself here on Discord. So I guess I can go by that. Um, that is her artist name. Um, also she goes by Hottie McThotty on, I don't know, Twitter and Instagram, no, maybe just Instagram. I think Twitter is the C is Park Hillmatic. Anyway, she's known by lots of names. Um, she's called in a few times before. Go uh, look up those episodes if you would like. Um, but we're gonna get her back on here to uh, check in uh, with her. So let's see. What's good? Not shit. Yeah, we've been putting up so everyone knows with like thirty minutes of some bullshit <laughs> on the technical yeah. side. That was that was brutal. Yeah, Discord normally normally Discord's a little better than what we're using here, which is Skype, because it's a little more clear. But for some reason, yeah, I just didn't recognize microphones or something. I don't know. Yeah, man, I was like two seconds away from throwing my computer out the window. I'm like, what do you mean? Uh, that's been my whole day. Not to like, uh, that's how we're starting this shit. I've been trying to figure out how to mine cryptocurrency all morning because like I don't really know how anything about that, and oh, I was my- like. But I got this computer that's all right. But then, like, all the cool currency, you have to use your video card. I don't have a cool video card, so, like, I couldn't do it. And that was making me mad. And then, like, right before we started this, I finally, I think, found a breakthrough of, like, this is how I can mine this one certain coin with this one thing. But then it was, like, build your own source files to make your own mining program. And I'm like, what the fuck have I gotten into? <laughs> so, um, we're going to see what happens. Man, mining mining coins. That's what I'm talking about. I see you. Uh, yeah, I I mentioned on the last podcast with my cousin how I put a few, you know, like three hundred dollars, and I basically put all the money I earned from streaming music last year. I put in a crypto at the beginning of this year, and then everyone told me I was weird for using PayPal, or not everyone, but like I looked it up online, and people were like, "I wouldn't use PayPal. That's not the cool way to go." So I moved it to another thing, but in that time period, I kind of. I didn't lose money because I got the money. You know, I made more money than when I put in, but then it like took off in that time period that I wasn't on anything. So it kind of fucked me a little bit. But now I'm just kind of like, 
I don't know what's going to happen, but if I can throw like $20 a month or something at this, and then someday that's worth like a hundred, that $20, then it's probably worth it. I don't know. Hmm. Damn, you should, you, you must have made pretty penny off your music last year. That's that's crazy. I don't. I think I made like eight bucks. Yeah, I I don't know why. <laughs> I mean, I know why. It's because of Graveyard Entertainment. Shout them out. Um, you know, yeah, it's Graveyard Entertainment. They put me on lots of playlists and stuff, and I used to submit to a lot of a lot more playlists than I do now. Um, I get a few streams off some like producer credits. You know, like I'll give basically not anyone, but any of my friends that they want to beat and they just want to hook me up with like 25 percent of the distro kid split for the beat. You know, I would do that to any of my homies. So like through that, you know, I can kind of build uh, some sort of getting paid catalog and everyone hates on Spotify, but almost all of my money comes from Spotify. So they're rather fucking it up and accidentally giving me more than they should or <laughs> just graveyard putting me on so many playlists gets me a little bit of money. And I'm That's, grateful, you know. So wait, are you on a BMI or ASCAP? How like if I got a, a A to the Mo B, how do I make sure that you get paid? You're right. Yeah, I'm. I am on BMI. Um, I don't think anyone's ever actually registered any song that they've made them on with BMI because I'll be honest, I'm not. I'm not like real educated on how that whole thing works. Right, like I sell leases and I've sold some exclusives. And I know it's worked into the contracts there um, to where you get 50%. And I have a BMI number and account all that, and people should, but I feel like people aren't. And I don't really know how to check that myself. So does Kid have its own thing that allows you to, to get some sort of accreditation or some uh, financial? Yeah, yeah. So DistroKid, and the, this is the only reason I still use DistroKid, because uh, some guy's been in my DM for the last two weeks trying to convince me to switch to his new startup um, distributor, and I'm really thinking about it because it's a good price and stuff. But I like DistroKid because so many people have it. Um, you know, and it's kind of like ambiguous at the moment with a distributor. But for instance, like I have this collab album I'm working on that'll come out in a couple months, probably. And it's really easy for me to just go in there and be like, and you get 15% and you get 25%. And then this guy gets 50% of this song. Like you just go and assign the percentages and then it auto splits it to their distro kit account. So, uh, you know, I have homie CJ Jones who calls in this podcast. He played a guitar that I turned into a beat on my, probably my favorite song I've ever made called two different people. And he gets 25% of that just through distro kid. Cause I felt like he should, cause he made that guitar or whatever. And I just think that's pretty awesome. You know, I like that part of it. Um, I've never I, even known that I could do that. Maybe I'm missing something. You might have to teach me something. Yeah. It's under the, like if you're, if it's on a release and you click on them, they'll have like some teams or edit teams. And then on that, you decide you can put your percentages to whoever um, hmm. you want. And then like, so for instance, this week I've gotten a couple emails of people sending me, I get an email. It's like, Hey, put this code in. You'll be added to their team. You know, so like, so is that, uh, is that if they're also using DistroKid? What if they're using like TuneCore, CD Baby, something like right. that? So that I'm not sure of. I always send the and give people their percentages, even if they don't use it off the off chance. Like, let's say it blows up, then maybe you can sign in later and claim it. I don't really know, you know, how that works. Um, gotcha. But yeah, I don't know about that. And that's another reason, like, why I'm kind of saying with DistroKid, and that that's probably their, their whole, you know, con, if you will, is they're like, well, once you're in the system, you kind of keep paying that yearly rate to stay in it but i made my money back um both years that i've i've you know i made more money streaming than i paid for distro kid so you know i I barely broke even um the first year and then the second year i 
I definitely did. And again, that was just because Graveyard uh, was helping me out. But that's because with them, you know, if they want some beats or they want to feature something, uh, they don't use distro kids. So we have to work out some other like handshake agreement of, hey, aren't we cool? And then they throw me on some playlists. So that's like the key to networking, you know? Huh. That's a. Uh, that's fucking dope. Um, so with with uh, this guy who's been DMing you, What's his deal? What's this thing he's trying to get you to buy into as far as distrib- distribution? Yeah, I don't remember the name of it off the top of my head. Uh, you know, I basically told him every complaint I had with DistroKid and he was like, oh, I, ours is going to have all that fixed. And he had the spreadsheet of all the features they're going to have. And then the first year it was only $10 a year as opposed to like the, you know, 35 or whatever you would pay at other places. And hmm. I was like, this all sounds great, but like, and I'm not saying I'm gonna make collab albums forever, but like definitely my biggest, the most plays I get is all this time I spent on collab albums because it gets, you know, the little mini community I kind of have uh, I'm excited oh, and going and stuff. And so like, if I couldn't easily do collab splits, that would negatively affect me in my, you know, I think. So I'm trying to avoid it if I can. Man, man, I feel like I had like my head in the sand for a good three weeks uh, while I was in San Diego and in, Cal- in California with a buddy um, who had built a studio at his house. And I was there for, you know, some naval school. But, um, you know, while I was there and, you know, we, we hooked up and, you know, he wound up really pushing me to record this latest album. And it literally happened within three weeks time where he, you know, I was staying at a Hilton, a really, really nice Hilton over there on the Bayfront. And he literally just brought all of his equipment to my hotel room one day and set it all up and left it there and refused to take it back. And he was just like, no, you're, you're going to record. And, (laughs) and I got into this zone where I think I didn't touch it for like four days and his laptop like finally died. And then I was like, oh man, I feel like such a dick. Like, let me, you know, I really don't know what I'm doing. He uses Ableton. So I'm, you know, I'm already not, you know, the engineer type. I know a little bit about Acid Pro that I think I, you know, like stole off the internet and then didn't pay for the thing. I had like the trial forever. Uh, <laughs> that was back in like 2013. <laughs> and then, uh, oh, not even 2013. That was like 2007. Um, and then, you know, I've seen pro tools a lot and he uses Ableton. I had never seen Ableton before. So I was really opposed to even like messing with his equipment. It was all pretty brand new. He was learning how to do it. I didn't know what I was doing. I don't have the patience. So I didn't touch it. And then, you know, he came back over and he's like, what the hell? Like charged up his computer, showed me a few things. And then he left it with me for another week or so. And in that time, uh, I started playing around with it and, you know, pulling up certain beats that I had written to, but no, I needed to record something. And I really got back in my groove and it was like, I couldn't stop. I really wish I had reached out to you. I feel like my head was in the sand because, you know, I got so focused in uh, the three albums that I'm planning on releasing this year. And I, you know, tossed out a couple of features and, you know, things I knew I wouldn't be able to do once I got back home to Hawaii. Yeah, I feel I'm I'm frustrated now at the thought that like I should have sent you something or got something from you because now I'm like without a real way to record. Right. And I'm, <laughs> I'm kicking myself now. I feel like I buried myself in the sand and like <laughs> didn't even realize it. Right. Well, it happens also because uh, your album, we can totally talk about that. Uh, it is like a concept album. 
which is yeah. uh different you know i i don't i don't really think i'm like that good at making music you know i'm like i'm different days some days i think i'm good and some days i don't but like i have a little experience so in general all all making you know mixtapes back on the dat piff era that's what i just think of it as uh my (laughs) goal was i wanted 17 tracks on a mixtape and i wanted it to be just a huge variety you know i wanted like a west coast beat and an east coast beat like and i was just trying to make it everything and then uh when i first started producing um and i produced my first album of my own called too pretentious it was all like about depression and it was just all on one point and like i love it but i know like a lot of other people are kind of like yeah we get it you know and so i also think like it's hard like it makes sense that your head was in the center whatever you want to say because like it is such a your album is so focused on one thing i don't think i would necessarily been able to add anything to your album but i could say like for us a a separate collab you know but i don't know if my my perspective Uh, no that that was the thing like when i recorded first of all like this album really came together there was only one song that had been previously recording that i recorded that i had to send to like norfolk to my guy forbes who was my original engineer uh like when i first started taking music seriously everything else was literally done like you know right there either in the hotel room and then you know i brought all his equipment back to his house and put it back together and then you know we did all the mixing but like within those three weeks I actually completed two more albums that'll drop later on this year. And the second one and third one have all the features on it. Um, and I'm like, damn it. I wish I would have sent you something like, or got something from you. That would have been freaking dope. Right. Well, someday, I mean, I'll just slowly, um, you know, I've been making people beat packs, uh, you know, my homies. So if I can think of like, if I ever come across some beats I make that I'm like, oh, this would be perfect for you. I'll just save a beat pack. And then whenever you're in the scenario again, um, you know, we can make it work. That's where uh, I'm coming from. I'm looking forward to that. I got to figure some stuff out. You know, being in that situation kind of taught me a lot. I saw, you know, it, it helped because it's like when you walk into like if you pay for studio time and you walk in this ruins, all these buttons and dials and switchboards and blah, blah, blah. And it's like if you're not really into the um engineer side of it you don't know what the hell you're looking at you just came you got your rhymes you got your beat on your flash drive or whatever and you're like yeah pull this up play it and i'm gonna do my thing um and it can be a little bit intimidating to you know as if all the switches and dials aren't enough to look at the computer screen and see someone who's like super good just ripping through and doing things before you know and making it sound dope before you even tell them what you want you know that it can kind of just put you in a habit of, yeah, you do your thing and I'm gonna do my thing. And I know this is going to come out. Right. But with him, like, because he's learning, um, we both got a chance to learn. And that was like really, really dope for me. So like, I still don't think that I'm great, but I think I could record something and mix it to a level to where I could send it to someone else to get finished. But I could also send someone else a reference track, you know, as, to, to give them an idea of this is what we were going for. And if you like to collab, you know, listen to this, write to this, record to this, send it back and I'll put it in the right hands to get like perfected. And that was like a really dope experience. You know, even though this, this, like this latest project, those beats were very different from what I think a lot of people are used to hearing. Right. I mean, I, I'm also learning. So you said, you know, you're talking about the, your producer there. Like, I guess I'm always learning. I mean, I try to take pride in the fact, like I can probably get like 80, 85% of the way there. Um, 
on my own without paying anyone to do anything. Right? Like, I think that's cool. And then there are people that are like, oh, you should definitely pay to get that mastered or have someone really engineer it. And I'm just always to the point of like, I think it is a pride or ego issue, ego thing where I'm like, no, I'm just going to try my best, you know? And then yeah. like a year later, I'll be like, Ooh, that's a little muddy there. You know, I could probably uh, <laughs> fix that or whatever. But like, I've never released anything uh, in general that like I thought was shitty at the time, you know, like at the, at that moment, I was like, this is good. This is going to yep. be so good. And then yep. it takes like, uh, you know, at least for me as a, as an artist, I guess like it just takes some time for me to look back and be like, that was stupid or like, no, that was good. You know, like, hell yeah. Um, I, and I know that now. So like, I just recorded a verse last night for, uh, this collab I'm working on. I sent it to the other artists and I haven't even listened to it since because I'm like, I don't know if it's good or not. Like I just did it. You know, like, I don't I know that's weird. Cause I think some artists they know immediately or they have like a vision automatically. And, um, let me take a quick tangent and see if I can remember to come back to this uh, vision thing. <laughs> I want you to listen. I need, I tried to convince everyone that I talked to, to listen to this podcast called revisionist history by Malcolm Gladwell. Cause he's just awesome. And it's a great podcast. And he has this one uh, episode about uh, the different painting styles between like, fuck, I don't remember who it was like Monet and then uh, Picasso, right. Or whatever. And like, so one of them was the type that they knew exactly what they were going to paint every time. And that's what they did. And I think that was Picasso or whatever. And then this other person, he just fucking like sketched every day. Right. And then every once in a while was a masterpiece, but a lot of times it was just fucking nothing. And I'm, I work like that. Like, you know, like I just kind of fuck around, you know, I just don't have the vision of some artistic people. Um, and it's the same way with music for me. Like I might make a beat and I'm like, well, that's a fun sound and it's real fun. And then by the end it's shitty or sometimes it's cool. You never really know. Feel that. Um, so how did you get on the topic or how'd you come up with the more America thing? So I guess that's everyone talk about your album and we totally didn't, uh, you have this uh, new album out called more <laughs> America and, uh, I, I enjoy it because, I'm a little bit familiar with the Moors. You know, I have a grandfather who's like a little bit in the history and he would read some books and he'd be like, you don't even know about the Ottoman Empire and the Moors. And I'd be like, you're right, I don't. And then I never <laughs> learned about it. Um, but like I knew of it, you know, I knew it was a thing. Um, but how did that all happen? Um, I am admittedly a huge history buff. Um, history is one of those things I hated as a kid. And my granddad on, on my mom's side used to like, he's the type of guy, first of all, he, he answered his phone. He said yellow. And I, that irritated the shit out of me as a kid. And most of the things he did irritated the <laughs> shit out of me because he was just one of those guys who, who always found a teaching moment for everything. Right. So, you know, as a young person, I hated history. I didn't understand the point. Like, you know, it's boring. It happened already. Like, what does it mean to me? And he said something to me that I never forget. He said, you know, um, without history, like, how, how do you know if you're not repeating the same mistakes? You, you don't have to learn, you know, from your own mistakes. You can learn from history. How do you know you're not repeating it if you don't know it? And, um, you know, as I got older, that meant something to me. And I got really into, you know, different documentaries. I mean, from, uh, you know, the World Trade Center documentaries, Paperclip and, uh, you know, MK, MK Ultra and all that crazy stuff. And that was before I enlisted in, in the Navy. Um, and it just kind of continued even from... Um, you know, I don't know. My, my grandparents had roots, you know, all those freaking VCR cassette tapes in, in the closet. You know, I remember watching that as a kid. And uh, now with like things like Hidden Colors, um, there's another documentary also. But I, it's, 
Uh, Hidden Colors is a lot. It's, it's it's somewhere on my computer. I'll definitely right. give it to you if you're interested. But yeah. that those those things kind of taught me a lot about um, maybe not so much as myself personally, but maybe how I got here in this place in America and you know this time period and what's going on around me and how did it get that way. So you know, with learning about the Moors, um, and it can be a little bit muddy depending on, you know, the different sources. I like to get information from as many sources as I can and kind of make sense of it all because it's always a half lie, half truth, right? And biases in between. Um, But I wanted, I always wanted to do an an album that didn't just appear, uh, appeal to, you know, the turn up. You know, I personally don't give a shit about the turn up. Maybe it's my age. Maybe it's, you know, what I grew up seeing. Um, but I wanted to make something meaningful. And my goal with music has always been to get people talking, get people to communicate, get people to listen and kind of see each other. So I think it was David Banner's uh, recent mixtape in the last maybe four years. He did like before the God Box mixtape. And that to me was it was dope because he was saying a lot of uh, really interesting things, factual things um, that were important. But he made it sound cool he had like turn up kind of sounding beats and drill sounding beats and he what he was saying was super powerful and you know to some people controversial um but i don't know if it appealed to everyone i don't know if that even crossed his mind but that was on my mind while doing this project so yes you know the name can be a little bit uh provocative more american the idea that when a lot of people in this country see an american flag they don't think of people of color Typically, they think white people. And I think that's interesting. So, you know, that was part of why the artwork came out the way it did, uh, where instead of um, the stars, we replaced the stars with Moore's heads and, you know, the history of the flag with the Moore's heads on them. And, you know, which way the Moore's head is facing and what that meant and the, the conquering of, you know, different places in, you know, in Europe in the history of black people or people of color. Uh, who may have spoken Arabic, but were not Islamic. And it's just, it's just very interesting. So without calling the the, the freaking album, <laughs> my black ass album, which is what I was calling it for like three days <laughs> and everyone would laugh or calling it uh, black American or black in America. I wanted to, I wanted something a little bit more witty and more American M O O R. Not M-O-R-E-M-O-O-R, as in the Moors, the Blacks, um, more American just fit. Yeah, I think the title also, uh, it sounds more intellectual than like my Black Ass album or whatever, you know, whatever <laughs> else. You're, and you're, and this album in particular is a little more intellectual, you know, I think, in a way. Uh, so I think uh, it works better. I appreciate it. I'm glad that you got that from it. I was, I was nervous. Right. I was well, nervous that it wouldn't appeal to people as widely as I wanted it to. Right. Well, I'm I'm definitely a person that um, I could talk about race forever, especially with someone who is like of a different race than me. Right. Like I never want to talk about race when it's just me and a white person in a room because I'm like, what the fuck are we doing? We don't know. Um, (laughs) But like I could talk all day with any of my friends um, who are a minority because I have a lot of thoughts, you know, and like I I have friends that aren't going to judge me, you know, like they know I'm cool and shit. Like so I can say a lot of crazy shit. And um, 
I don't know. I, I, I enjoy the thought provoking thing. So like, I think for instance, something you said there is like, you know, some people see the American flag and they don't think of people of color. I think like something is that like white people and not me, white people, I guess, but I think some white people hear that and you're like, you're claiming all white people that, but you clearly said some people see the American flag. So I do right. think like people just miss little words and sentences or, and probably purposefully, you know, honestly, it's because everyone wants to be mad. Um, Whereas in like, I, I listen to your album and I know I'm not the enemy or whatever. I don't know how else to fucking word it. Right. Like I'm an ally or whatever. So I'm like, if you're saying some shit, like I think it's all truthful. And I don't think you're saying like, I'm the problem. Cause I wield no power in the world, I guess. Like, I don't, I don't know. There's just some people get offended whenever you talk about stuff. Cause they take it all personally. You know, it's like psychology versus sociology when it's like, I can say like on a grand scheme of things, there's like systematic racism and I can see how like definitely it's wrong. You're like I got arrested for weed and got uh, 10 days in jail. And I know people that got arrested the same way and they got a year in jail that were black. Um, now I have another friend who's black and his grades were so good. Uh, he got a year in jail off. So he should have got 20 years in jail. So like sometimes it can, you know, in the, yeah, you still there. Yeah. got cut off somehow. Oh man. Oh, you're good. Um, I don't know where we got cut off that, um, but I was just saying like, so I do think like in the macro level, uh, you can see where racism happens, but everyone wants to look at micro levels and then be like, uh, well, here's an example of where you're wrong, you know, and you're like, well, that's not what anyone's talking about. So anyway, yeah. I think that's why it's hard to talk race sometimes is because everyone wants to take it also personally. And of course it's personal because like it defines a lot of people or like it defines them in other people's eyes, I guess. Um but anyway, that's just my random race thoughts for the moment. No, man, I, I dig that. I think um, with the album, I didn't want to beat a dead horse, but I did want to get that out. I was pretty quiet in 2020. Um, I released one song, and honestly, that was only due to uh, talking to my guy, Caviar Music. Um, you know, I, I got on the phone with him maybe a day or two before I decided to release Slash and Burn last June. And, you know, I told him, I was like, yo, I got this old record. I'm thinking about putting it out, but things are really, really crazy in the world right now. And I don't want to stoke the flames. I don't want, you know, I, not that I think I'm some big person or whatever, but you never know. Like you put things out there and you don't get to choose, you know, you, you can't really put a leash on them uh, once you put them out there. And I think that that comes with a level of responsibility. So, you know, I was very careful about it and um, I thought it was a sensitive time. And he was like, dude, like people need this. What is your deal? Like you've had this record since 2016, 17. And what are you doing with it? Like, what's your purpose? You know, if you want to reach people, cool. But even if you spoke to people and said all positive things that they could still turn it around. Are you going to worry about everything you put out being turned into something negative? Like, you know, you're gay. You talk about being with women. Like people can turn that into whatever they want to. Like you can't let that be the reason why you're not releasing this song. This song can do something positive for someone. You're just worried about someone doing something negative with it. Right. And, uh, that's how that came about. But that was still an old record. I technically I, I don't really feel like I really did anything all 2020, you know, due to the pandemic. And I was in boot camp and moving around and the Navy sent me to Hawaii and, you know, wife and kid. And, you know, and then it, it was just nonsense. It was it was chaos towards the fall because I was back and forth to California and. It was impossible to get settled or settle my brain to process my thoughts, figure out how I felt, what I wanted to say. 
And I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to say anything that I would have looked back on later and been like, yeah, I could have done without saying that. So I did hold off. And this project, More American, is a testament of that. And, you know, I'm really, really proud of it. I think I was very nervous to release it, uh, more so for professional sake. Um, you know, I, I could only imagine me like going to, <laughs> to my ship in a few days and the freaking captain pulling me in and playing this and looking at me like, yo, what the fuck is this? <laughs> you know, and saying like some shit about me disrupting good order and discipline. That's a fear of mine. But, you know, I think if that's supposed to happen and that's going to be what happens, whether I'm talking about history and race relations and social and economic and, um, you know, the government and the people who are suffering underneath it. Or I'm talking about some bullshit that may have or may not have happened at a club. Like either way, if it's meant to go that far, that's what it is. And, and my wife had to sit me down and have that conversation with me. But I think for the most part, more American has done more good than anything. It's really got people thinking. I've gotten a lot of feedback um, from people that are really, really appreciative of the efforts and they see the growth in my music. And that's that's incredible. Yeah, it's uh, I'm just, you know, I'm glad you made another thing because I did think you were done. You know, last time we talked, you did seem like you didn't see a time where you would have a home studio. I think you had mentioned like you knew that could be cool, but you had just never done that. Um, yeah. So I remember thinking like, oh, yeah, that'll suck if she doesn't make anything. So I was uh, excited to see you doing shit. <laughs> yeah, and it, it kind of like it came within <laughs> it, it just came within like two weeks time, which was incredible. I'm really excited for what I have next. I don't want to rush it. I don't want to, you know, step on this one. Um, but like I said, I mean, I, I kept it short for a reason. I, I didn't want to beat a dead horse. I wanted to get that out so that I could move on. And that doesn't mean that I'm not still affected by a lot of the things that I talked about on, on More American. It just means that, you know, well, Sometimes talking about it and talking about it and talking about it doesn't help. Yes, we should talk about it. We should acknowledge it. Um, but that's the purpose of that is to find a solution. And I can't find the solution on my own, which is why I put the album out there. I'm hoping to reach someone who is willing to say, hey, I got an idea. And it'd be something that I can jump on the bandwagon with and really like a lot of people who give a fuck can corral around and, and push that, you know, and make that into fruition. Now, these next two projects I got vastly different. I'm back on my bullshit, <laughs> for, for lack of better words. But um, shit, the next album is Superset. Superset is designed specifically for a workout, to get you through a workout from your ride to the gym to the time where you go, you know, change in the locker room and, I don't know, get on the treadmill or the bike or go for a run and warm up to your freaking middle of your workout where you want to poof into a pile of dust and, and just give up and quit. But this, this, this album is geared to get you through that all the way to your cool down. It's going to be a really dope record. I'm super excited. Um, I think I got TKO on there. I think I got 706 Knicks on there. Um, the, the album that comes out after that is purely to set the mood. Like, like songs for women was supposed to be like something dope that you could share so that you don't have like, you know, female friends around or your, your kickback, uh, more so friends around and you're playing goddamn something rowdy that nobody wants to hear. That was like specifically geared for a kickback. But this album that the third one that comes out this year is called, um, 
I don't know, and this could change. It right now is called Agent Provocateur. And it is to set the mood with whoever your person is. You put this on, it's gonna be some baby making or or <laughs> or or something like that. Right. Something at least close. Uh, yes. Yeah, so <laughs> and, and that's gonna be dope. Um I think I got Sir Nasty. I'm expecting something back from him. And True Words, I think, is also on Superset. But Agent Provocateur is going to be, you know, it's in it. and everything has like a lane of its own. So I'm kind of having fun with that. Well, hell yeah. Yeah, I uh, try to remember all those little things there. One, Nine Songs isn't short because isn't that what your album is? Your new one? I mean, uh, you kept yeah. it's short for like when me and you probably first started making music. But for today's standards, nine tracks is not short. Um, yeah. Yeah, I definitely I, I I backed away from the 12 to 16 tracks only because like, first of all, people I don't really understand how Spotify works. Anytime like, you know, my wife tries to pull up my stuff on Spotify, it, like it plays random things. So it's like, I mean, if it's all going to be randomized like that, like there's really no point to giving 16. Like I could break that up. Do you all have the free Spotify? Because I've only had the a premium Spotify since I've used it. But anyone I know that has the free one, they say that is how it works. You can just yeah. select like an artist. Um, and yeah. then you have to like rely on people to make playlists. Like that's why I'm making playlists. Are important. Yeah. And I was like, oh, shit, I didn't know that. Um, it's like it's people's attention span for, for a particular sound. Like I don't I don't have a, a mainstream sound. So. I know that my audience is going to be a little different and they may not be opposed to longer albums than nine songs. You know what I mean? Cause that's what, like 40 minutes. Right. Um, but I think I have, I think knowing my audience a little better helps me figure out how long, especially when it's a conceptual project, how long should this be? Who am I talking to? What do I need to get to them? How do I, can, how can I get across to them without freaking dragging this too long? Right. Well, and, in today's world, you're supposed to only make singles and not have any album cuts, which kind of sucks because I feel like those are my favorite songs um, are the ones that you're not really supposed to make anymore. And uh, I don't know, my next album is going to be at least 16 songs long, which is so against what you're supposed to do. Um, but I don't know. I'm just going to do it. And, uh, you know, if people like certain songs. They put certain ones on playlist. It's like you don't make albums anymore for people to listen to just that album. You know, and I'll be honest, I don't either like the amount of times I'll go and be like, let's listen to that album. Unless it's an old album that I love, but if it's a new album, I just, you know, I hearted a couple songs and threw them on a playlist or something. Um, so it's sad, but it is the way, <laughs> it's no, the way I, it works. I think down. I'm a little old school with my approach. Cause I, I use Apple music uh, primarily. And if I can't find something, I'll go to YouTube. And a lot of times YouTube will have a playlist and the songs for the most part will be in order. But when I go to Apple Music, like if I'm going to the gym and I just want to put on something, I don't care if it's R&B or if it's jazz or whatever it is. I know I'm going to listen to it from number one to number whatever is the end of it. And in that order, unless there's something sounds whatever and it's throwing right. me off. I mean, I got <laughs> if I'm listening to like Blonde by Frank Ocean, it's probably my last favorite album. You know, that's, the last, that's probably the last album I heard where I'm like, holy fuck, I love this. Um, so like that, for instance, I'm going to listen to that in order. You know, I'm going to turn Shuffle off and I'll click the first song and I'll listen through because I just really enjoy that album. But I also have playlists that I've made, you know, vibes. And on, on those playlists, I don't care. We can shuffle all we want, you know, because that's the yeah. new world. Um <laughs> Um, some other stuff you mentioned about roots. And so I just am curious. Um, I don't know how your school was. I know you grew up in New York, correct? Yeah. Um, so I grew up in Oklahoma, which is probably couldn't be any more different. And 
when I was in fourth grade, I believe maybe fifth grade, let's say fifth grade to give my school the benefit of the doubt. Uh, we watch roots and it was like, we watch one VHS a day, um, for a week or however many videotapes there were, but we had to take a permission slip home, get it signed parents approval that we could watch it. But then the wow. kids that didn't, they had to like leave the room during that. But, um, and I've talked to you, I think, probably and on this podcast many times of how like I was a pretty, just, I was like a big fan of black culture and, uh, like Martin and the Fox TV shows and all that. And so Roots, I was like, for whatever reason, like, yeah, hell yeah, let's watch this. And I definitely was like, I felt bad. Um, but in my mind, I was never like, well, I'm the slave owners, you know, or whatever. But it's which so yeah. like as like a, a black American, I'm sure you watch that and you're like, oh, that's clearly me. I'm the slaves of this story. You know, like that's my the people I came from or chances are. I mean, there's always a chance you were an immigrant from a later. So I don't know. But uh, I just think that has to be like a wholly different experience. Like as a kid, me watch. I'm like, I, this is fucked up. And I, and I cared a lot, but I'm sure other kids didn't care. And then I'm sure, like I said, people like you probably just was deeper. Yo, you know what? That's super interesting. I wonder if most black people realize they do that. I like <laughs> I, I totally watched that and and thought to myself, shit, if this were whatever year that is, that'd be me out there. It never crossed my mind that that is them and that is not a reflection of me. It, like I think every time I watched it, I felt connected. Right. Um I and I don't know if that is a luxury that black people just don't afford themselves right like this week i saw a guy uh, some producer talking about time travel right and he was trying to say the best time to go back in time and i'm like unless you're black because if you're black you really can't go back in time to hardly any time period unless you go so far back before like white people mutated from black people you know so that'd be like forty thousand years ago or whatever the hell it is and <laughs> so like that's something that's definitely like a quote unquote white privilege sort of fun storyline you know like i love talking about like oh, i would go back in time to whatever but like my black friends would be like fuck that we're going in the future <laughs> <laughs> yo that's that's crazy too that's that's another very very realistic way of looking but that that's a concept right there and i think that's super interesting because i don't think most people realize it i think you realize it it's something about you i don't know if i like i don't want to offend other people but you have a freaking brain and a heart and it is beating and it is warm and it is not cold and dead. And you have the ability to really pay attention to those things and go, you know, other people probably would not enjoy this because for them, it was a totally different experience. Like you, you don't, you know, just take your experience and go, yeah, no, this is great. I can, I'm good. Fuck everyone else. Let's, let's go back to 1954. It's like, no, everybody else would not be okay in that year. Right. I mean, That's that you realize that. Yeah, I don't know what it is about me either, to be real honest. But like when uh, the Straight Outta Compton movie came out, I was the only white person in the opening theater show uh, in the theater here. And then <laughs> same with the Tupac movie. Like, I don't know. I'm just I'm just down, <laughs> down with the cause. And <laughs> it works out. And something else you tweeted about, I felt like you did this week because I wrote it down, was about Kanye saying slavery was a choice. And I've never talked about that before. And mm. I... I I'm I'm really mad I listen to Kanye on Joe Rogan because I have always been a Kanye defender maybe not always but I like Kanye's music a lot and I'm like you know what we probably just don't get what he's saying because I I feel like I get misunderstood a lot but then I heard him on Joe Rogan and he's just so religious and as people know to listen to my podcast that's just not my shit you know I don't like where every answer is like well I'll pray about it you know I don't need 
that don't mean nothing to me. And uh, Kanye was like that. But at the time of him making the slavery was a choice thing because we were talking about roots. So it reminded me of that he I understood it to the extent of like, if you weren't going to be a slave, then you would die. So like in some sense, if you made the choice to live, but of course you made the choice to live because that's like all human instincts, you know, or whatever. But I know he takes a lot of shit for that. So I saw you tweet about it, but I just didn't know what your thoughts were. Um, yo, that was interesting, you know, because I understood why people were, were upset, but I, I listened. There was like a longer video than the one that circulated most. And it and he went further into saying what he was trying to say. And I looked at my wife and I said, the problem with this is it's not that he's wrong because technically he's not wrong. It's that he says things without giving it the context. So you have people who are into shock value and you say one thing that they don't understand and you completely lose them and they run with that and and they create create more shock value for other people who were not there to hear it with their own ears and and really take apart what was said. The problem is he doesn't give it the context that it needs so that people can understand him. And maybe partly he doesn't have time to explain every goddamn thing for people to understand him. And I get that too, right? Cause there are some people that don't want to understand you and you wind up wasting your time, you know, explaining things that meaningful things to people who are just going to take it apart and make it what they want anyway. Right. But I will say, yeah, I mean, technically I don't think they purposely chose to be slaves, but you had a choice and a lot of people did choose to die. However, had it not been for those people who chose to live and endure slavery and find other ways to rebel against slavery to free themselves, we would not be here. Right. I mean, it's a different type of strength, uh, like a generational strength to keep going, you know? Uh, yeah. It's, it's just interesting. And I, I hate the way, at least in the world we're going in, um, everything is so black and white. So like you were just going to get to where like, no, you can't have that. Like I get so mad about people getting kicked off Twitter and YouTube and stuff. Like even if they're idiots, let them be idiots. Like I think you should be able to lie on everything and then it should be up to people to be like, hey, that's wrong. And there's someone else to come in and be like, hey, they're wrong. Let me, you know, listen to what I say. Like, I don't like this whole like people censoring people and i know everyone's like it's not the free speech because it's their platform but it's fucked up i just think it's fucked up if you came on there and you said some shit and people didn't like it and they could just kick you off twitter i think that's kind of messed up what know. what happens when it's the president when it's someone who has a following and it presents danger i would say um well, for donald trump because i think that's the perfect thing here uh I don't I didn't really see it presenting that. I mean, he literally talked to them to their face. He said it at a thing like, hey, go march down there. And then his tweet was so obvious that like he wasn't caring. But like no one. Everyone was aware that's how Donald Trump thought. Like you didn't change anyone's minds. It's not like he got in this position of power by tricking people into thinking he was, a, you know, some different guy like the American people voted for him as horrible as it may be and as horrible as he may be. And I don't like him or whatever. Um that is what happened. Uh, obviously, our Congress system's fucked up because they can't impeach someone for doing that. And I think that's crazy. Um, but I still think um, he should be able to tweet whatever he wants. He could have incriminated himself even more if they would have left him on there. He might have been tweeting the craziest fucking shit in the world the last few days. That, that, that was one of my frustrations, because if you stop him there, he's either just going to go somewhere else and do it or he's going to do it somewhere 
some somewhere so private that we won't be able to prove right. that he was that it, this is his doing. And that that was a frustration of mine. I never felt like, oh, man, he should be able to tweet here. It was just like, well, shit, let him tweet here because he's making an ass of himself. And this is like you, you kind of need the ass to present themselves in order to remove the ass in a more important space than just Twitter. Right. I mean, to me, it's like uh, there's that one religious dude, Ken Ham. He's like the guy that built the Noah's Ark in Kentucky or whatever. Like He says all kinds of crazy shit all the time. Right. But I don't want him to take him off Twitter. I want him on there so people can make fun of him. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I just don't get I don't get how people don't understand this. And then, I mean, I guess people just want um, like they want other people to make the world safer for them and stuff. And I, I hate thinking like this because, again, I think most like racist people kind of lean conservative. Definitely. I don't think conservatives necessarily are racist, um, but I find myself being more conservative as I get older. I'm like, y'all all just want fucking handouts and you just want everyone to make it all easy. <laughs> like, you know, I'm definitely find myself being like that. And I hate it because I'm I grew up so liberal, you know, but uh, just the world is shifting so much. And I'm like, I don't know, guys. I don't know. I mean, I, I think um, I think back to a time where roles were a bit reversed from what we know them as today, as far as re- liberals and conservatives. Right. You know, and it was like at one point, you know, the, the freed slaves um, were the conservatives. Well, no, right? no. Be- liberals and conservatives is the wrong word. You mean Democrats and Republicans. Well, yes. Yeah. Well, the, you know what? The lines get blurred. Well, when Democrats we about- used to be conservatives and now they're liberals and Republicans used to be liberals, but now they're conservatives. So for like those people who don't distinguish. Right. Because when you say liberals, people, they like there's like a sky and it turns blue for people in their mind. And they associate that with Democrats, even though you didn't say Democrats. Would you like another crazy trivia? Is that the whole like red state, blue state thing didn't even start until George Bush and Al Gore's first election, you know, that election. They didn't even refer to it until then. But if to me, it's always been that. Unfortunately, people don't distinguish. So they put your liberals with the Democrats and they put your conservatives with the Republicans. But the mindset is what I'm getting at. The mindset of. Should we have these certain programs to help bail people out, your your American brethren? Should we have these programs? And for the people who could not, or even legally, um, could not take advantage of those programs, they were like, no, we don't need those programs because it winds up coming out of taxes and things like that. And, and then you got the people who can benefit from them, they're like, all for it. And after a while, you know, when it became accessible to people that it wasn't always accessible to, those who had already taken advantage of those programs became the naysayers. Like, no, 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 we we, we shouldn't be, you know, taking care of people need to do for themselves, you know, pull themselves up by their bootstrap. And if you say it that way, it takes out the idea that it's red, blue, Democrat, Republican, it's really about your class systems because, yeah. you know, the, those people who couldn't take advantage of those programs, of course they weren't for it. It did nothing for them. In fact, it created a, more of a divide in wealth cl- in, in, in your class as far as wealth. But, you know, now we call it all of these different things. And because people have mixed ideas, you know, maybe they are for pro-life, but they also 
you know, identify more so with the other side on other topics. You get these mixed things. And honestly, I think people are looking for something to identify with. And that and that sucks because, well, now if you if you accept the idea that everyone is looking for something to identify with. Well, what happens when you got somebody on Twitter or one of these social media platforms that's literally just spewing lies? It confuses the hell out of everyone. No one knows where to start. But it's not illegal to tell a lie. Like, I'm just I'm like, I will die on this hill that I think anyone should be able to lie in the in the court of law. Unless it's perjury. Yeah, then it's then it's illegal. But if we can lie about anything why can't we lie about anything anytime anywhere i would argue people do all the time i would say people get on tv politicians get everywhere i would say uh people believe things that aren't true but to them they're true and so they lie unknowingly like i think i just think you can't regulate lying you just can't you got to teach people how to notice when people are lying or how to use their brain and critical thinking skills i just don't think you can make the world safe that way i just don't think it's possible Nah, I don't know. I don't even know if people's agenda is to make the world safe. I think it's what they morally feel like is correct. And if it's their platform, they're going to pull the plug on whatever doesn't sit right with them. And I don't know. Now that that poses another issue. If you go your whole life and then like you're 30 years old and no one's ever lied to you ever before and you meet the first person that's ever lied, you're not going to know how to deal with that shit. So that's just like in my mind how I view it, you know, to the extreme. Of like, uh, why are we starting here? You know, like friends, like I enjoy. We talked about documentaries earlier and like some nine eleven stuff. You barely touched on. I would love to talk about it because today's world, they you're still crazy if you question it or whatever. I loved Alex Jones's early documentary stuff, and I think he is a nut, crazy person, right? Like he basically lost everyone's trust because the Parkland shooting stuff, and and he's but he's he was entertaining. When did you like Fahrenheit nine eleven? Um. Which one? Uh, loose change, I would say, is probably my nine eleven one. I enjoyed a lot. Loose change was definitely good. Um, there was something I watched earlier on YouTube, and the caption was uh, the title was uh, "We monetize my miscarriage," and this guy was pretty much talking about the idea that social media has everyone so fucked up that tragedy. If you figure out the right font and the right way to put it on a platform to get views, to make money off of it, um, tragedy has become almost sought after. People can't wait for something terrible to happen. An accident happens and there are bodies around and people try to figure out what's the right angle to get this. You know, you, 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 go, you go home and, uh, you know, people are, are slaughtered at home and you, you're trying to figure out how do I post this to get you know, views. And I think, um, I think that's a little bit different than, you know, or maybe it's not right. Because when you get these politicians, you know, who, if we say, Hey, they should be able to lie, they should be able to say whatever they want. Right. Well, what's, what's the focus? Is it to get those supporters to, you know, drop some change on you when it's time or, you know, but perfect example of politicians lying, you know, and again, I just mentioned earlier, I don't like Donald Trump also don't like Joe Biden much. Um, he lied all throughout his campaign, all, all kinds of shit. He said he's going to do in his first hundred days. He has now came out since winning presidency said, I've changed my mind. I'm not doing X, Y, and Z, but no one's holding his feet to the fire, or at least not on the liberal Democrat side that they would have for Trump, you know, or whatever. Like there's still kids in cages. There's still starving people. Like I, 
I don't know. Like, I just I get so upset that people's identities are politics because all politicians are bullshitting. None of them are doing anything. Yeah, that's facts. Uh, you know, in, in earlier, somebody touched on reminded me of uh, I, I follow this dude on Facebook and he's like one of those black dudes. It's like I, I always think of it like the Malcolm X way of thinking. But I don't know if that's accurate where he's like, no, the government assistance programs are a way to enslave our people. You know, they just want to keep you on these systems so that you're relying on them and then they want to put you in your own housing. And so you're on. And I'm not saying I agree one way or the other, but I think that's fascinating because you do see other people that would say, like, no, we need more of that. And I. I don't know. Again, I think it's a complicated issue. Uh, but if you voice your opinion, like, like, I don't know anything about Candace Owens, except she's a black woman that uh, people don't like on the Internet because she's conservative. And I've heard on a podcast here or there and I'm like, oh, she just has her own ideas because she was had a different upbringing than other people. But like people get like really, really mad at her instead of being like, let's have a conversation. No, you know what? I saw a uh, panel. I think they had Candace Owens. It was like T.I. and somebody it was like it was like four people and candace owens and i was pretty frustrated because it was like you know as soon as she said something that anyone didn't agree with the conversation just got taken way to somewhere it didn't need to go it was almost like you were watching it and you wanted to understand what she was trying to say because that was a whole point of the panel but it it, it still doesn't get there even when you know it, because it's a lot of it's more shock value than information right and I think that it it does suck that people, their identity has become politic, politics because it's a lot of people who really don't care to make any changes. They just, they hear something they like or hear something they don't like. And it's like, that that's it. They, you know, they really can't even hold an intelligent conversation about it. It's, it's just, it's all shock value. It's, right. it's a fuck annoying. And it's like, I, I, gasp for meaningful conversations and it's i'm so tired of gasping it's like um i don't think it bothers me when people feel one way or another about these politicians like i don't you know what i what i do think is strange is you know even the contrast um between when people of color get out there and there are mixtures of of people you know who aren't of color and aren't even, you know, in those communities or affected in the same way as those people when someone gets shot or, you know, someone unarmed gets choked out or whatever, beat up by police and people get out there and they march. Right. And <laughs> it's like, oh, they're, they're bad people. They're blocking the highways. Right. And then you, you got these people that showed up at the Capitol at the beginning of the year and no one no one seemed to be upset the same way. Right. I say that again, right there. I think it's a perfect example. Like you said, no one seemed upset, but I would disagree completely. I think what you really mean to say is the people that were upset at the other one didn't, weren't upset at this one and vice versa. Because yes. I, I see it as two sides were very upset. There was just very few crossover in the Venn diagram, you know? Yeah. And, and, oh man, it just seems like a, a contrast. So, you know, while you say, oh, you know, nobody's fucking mad at Biden the same way. Honestly, I don't, I don't think, um, I don't think liberals or Democrats even trust Biden. I don't think anyone looked at him and thought he was a savior. They just, they saw the threat in Trump being re reelected and what has happened during his time and how, and they thought of how could this possibly get worse? 
I don't think anyone's looking at Biden like, hey, man, we're actually expecting you to not be racist and we're expecting you to get those children out of cages and we're expecting you to actually fix anything you said you would fix. We honestly just wanted the fear of that dude right. and, and his and his uh, his influence to go away a little bit I mean, as much as we could. My wife says the same thing because we you know, she's very liberal. So we have these arguments um, in our household. And I I just think it's I, I, I agree that is what happened. I just dislike it because that is how Trump got elected because he wasn't Hillary Clinton. Yeah. And so we're just going to be on this path of the next person isn't that person (laughs) and that person isn't that person. But guess what? None of them fucking are good presidents. And like, I loved Obama, like not as a politician at the end of the day, but like as a person, right? I just thought he seemed cool. And uh, I voted for him twice as my first presidential election I got to vote in. And uh, I just he didn't do shit, in my opinion, you know, and now I get the Senate was a whole part. And then when Trump got in, in my opinion, I didn't think he'd done all that much. Now, I've gotten some kickback from some, uh, you know, friends of mine that are minorities or uh, gay. And they're like, you don't even know. And I'm like, you're right. I don't because I, you know, have this place of privilege or whatever. But like in general, it seemed like it's all on the Senate. And like then the people are like, well, he really riled people up. He already did that if he would have won or not. He didn't even plan on winning. All reports say that he was going to make a TV station afterwards. But then he got pissed that he won and it kind of ruined his plan. So, like, I don't know. I just think. um He's become the boogeyman for the left, you know, or whatever. And I'm like, I just think it's like the problem isn't this one man saying crazy shit. The problem is all the people that went and voted for him. Like, that's that's like the issue. Like, there's like 70 million people that fucking love this dude. And there's all these polls that came out. And they're like, if Trump started a new party and you're a Republican, would you stay with the Republican Party or go to the Trump Party? And more people said they would go to the Trump Party. So, like, that's not that's not good for the the Republican Party. I definitely, I definitely agree um, that it's, it's, it's more about the, the maniac than anything else. But I'm, I'm interested if you could put two people in office as president and, and VP. I mean, I'm talking about people dead and, and gone, and people that are alive now what what would be your two-man team or your your woman-man team yeah i mean i don't know enough about probably dead historical people um you know i've been listening to some podcasts i guess about dead historical people and uh, like teddy roosevelt was okay but he was also kind of racist because of one of the time period he was raised in so like maybe that would have been cool um I will say as far as politicians i like and they couldn't be any more opposite that are alive i think this time period now couldn't be made for anyone better than bernie sanders it's literally a time in which we need like health care. We need checks going out to people. We have nothing but natural disaster. It would have been like his time to shine. Right. But Damn, that's that's interesting. OK, uh, they they really screwed him. You know, and I'm not even a Bernie bro. I just think out of any politician I've heard probably since Obama, um, I just believe him when Bernie Sanders says something. I believe it. I believe at least he believes what he's saying, you know, and that's not something I get from most politicians. I also think uh, Tulsi Gabbard, uh, who was a Democratic nominee, I think she was also like that. I also believed her. Um, And then I I do vote libertarian in the last two uh, elections because I'm cool like that. And the vice presidential candidate of the libertarian ticket this year was a guy by the name of Spike Cohen, and he was the first millennial on a presidential ballot. And he's so good at like sharing memes um, and he is married to a black woman. So like he has this whole like, hey, y'all should check out all these things about black. I learned all about Central Park that I didn't know anything about this week because he shared a story about it. So like that's cool. And uh, 
I don't know. I just think he's really good. And so I think if we could combine Bernie Sanders, spend everything, help people out and Spike Cohen's libertarian, uh, don't spend any money. It would be a fun combo. <laughs> I think, um, I think I really liked, uh, Elizabeth Warren. I was kind of disappointed that like, she didn't even, she wasn't even part of the debate. Um, I think that that frustrates me most when we have other options, but because they're not like popular enough or whatever, I don't know how they choose to only, you know, to narrow it down the way they do. But, um, yeah, see, I dislike her, but she's also from Oklahoma. So like, uh, this is where she was raised and she was told she was native American by her grandparents. So she went her whole life getting scholarships and all these things for being a minority. And then it turns out she wasn't when she's done the DNA test. So like, uh, she's, she's a, a $5 Indian. Exactly. And I'm glad you know that term. I brought that up on this podcast, like my third episode ever because my co-host was Indian. And, uh, yeah, back in the day, you basically paid money to say you're Indian and get some land. And that's how yep. it worked. Um, yeah. It's so, very common. I, I think, it is. <laughs> I think people have forgotten about that. It's very common, though. Right. Well, especially when Oklahoma, I mean, we have a lot of uh, natives uh, and they all want to be called Indian. So when I say Indian, people just need to get over it. Not all of them. But like my best friend is uh, Creek and he would prefer to be called Indian. But like their whole thing is Cherokees all have blue eyes because they're all just white people. You know, like that's like a common thing uh-huh. in the state. Um And it's always really funny or you'll meet someone and like, again, this is my best friend. He's, I think, three fourths or something like that. And he's clearly native. And so he'll meet someone who's white and they're like, oh, I'm native, too. And he's like, no, you're not. And it's so fun. I love it. (laughs) It'd be like if you met Logic and you're like, no, you're not black. It's like one of those Uh moments. Yeah, those those dudes get it tough, man. It sucks for them. But I I don't typically enjoy their music. However, my power team, if I could pick people, I really, really like. uh if I could pick two people that are alive today that I could actually like, I don't care. Even if I had to scribble them in, um, it would be, uh, Tim wise and forget her name. What's uh, my blue eyed, brown eyed test lady. Yeah. What's her name? I told you I, I, I could have sworn I met her the other morning. It was the, the older oh, the, Jane Elliott. Yeah, man, that's that's going to be my my star two player right there. Tim Wise and Jane Elliott. I would love to scribble them in. Who are Hell, these I'd, people? I, I'd put Jane Elliott in with fucking Magic Johnson if Magic Johnson wanted to run. I I, I just think she's dope. Um, So Jane Elliott, uh, older white lady. She was a school teacher. I don't oh, yeah. Remember. She gives all the race talks. Yeah. Well, she, you know what? She started off in those schools and they ran her out of there. And, and oh. her children were even in danger for a little while for a simple you know, a little test she did with just, you know, separating the blue eyed and the brown eyed children and telling one you're better and then switching it the next day and, and trying to get them to see that this is how racism works. And it has nothing to do with what you look like. It's about what someone tells you about yourself. And, um, that, that thing lives on, you know, today. I think about it all the time because people were actually upset (laughs) that she did this. And it was so profound, and I'm glad she did that. But um, she's dope. And then Tim Wise, uh, who's become more of a editor, um, he he's just he's very he's very brutally honest. And I wouldn't mind making him president and making him the face. And Jane Elliott kind of you know 
uh, pulling the strings from behind because I think she has more of a, a solution kind of um, train of thought. And I think Tim Wise can handle the brunt of, you know, the people just not knowing what to do with all their hatred and frustration that people are challenging them. That would be my power team right there. Tim Wise and Jane Elliott. I mean, I don't know if they have any governing experience, but I don't think you need it as it's been proven by Donald Trump. I don't, I don't so. think so either. I think that's why we have freaking Kanye West getting over 700 votes in fucking Louisiana. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. <sighs> that was wild. Um, but yeah, uh, interesting choices. Uh, I had one more story before we, we leave here because I thought you had mentioned before you had played basketball. Is that correct? Yeah, I used to hoop. I thought so. I was like, man, if not, I'm going to sound so racist, assuming <laughs> uh, <laughs> you just play basketball. There was a story that broke this week, and this is something that I hate bringing up because I feel like I bring it up a lot. But like I've been really fascinated with the whole J.K. Rowling falling out. I don't care at all about Harry Potter. My wife loves Harry Potter, but like I've never really read or whatever. But like everyone on Twitter hates her, right? Because she more or less was like uh, transgendered, uh, you know, men transitioning to female or they're stealing womenhood and you know, she's a true feminist, so she's not for white men coming here, taking female. I don't know. Some crazy shit. Right. And so I've just kind of been fascinated a little bit by the story of like, well, I don't know what's the right answer, you know, because I don't think the dust is settled on this issue. Um, but there is a story of this woman named Gabrielle Ludwig, who is a 60 year old uh transitioned woman who is playing college basketball for some like Southern California school. And she's six, eight. And has like naval tattoos and shit because she was in the Navy back in the day as uh, Gabriel before she was Gabrielle or, or however it was. And um, yeah, so anyway, people are like, should this person be allowed to play basketball? So just like what would happen if you were playing a 60 year old 6'8 dude in a basketball game with that? Like, I just don't know where people's thoughts would be at if they were actually in the game. Not my thoughts. You're just reading a story, you know. Um, I think. Yo, honestly, yo. <laughs> female athletes we we fucking we, we got a lot of pride with us right and i don't think anybody would outwardly be like yo this isn't fair it's a freaking dude what the hell you know what i mean i think women are used to people expecting them to be like whiny or complain about disadvantages so i think it's natural for a lot of women to just really grit their teeth and go hard anyway but deep down, it, it, it would seem unfair because they're, I mean, naturally, biologically, it's different. Yeah, you got some eight females, but you put six, eight females next to, you know, six, eight, six, nine, uh, uh, Lewis that used to play for Orlando, Rashad Lewis. And it's like, OK, now it's a big difference. Right. Is it because it's a bone density thing? Like, I think Joe Rogan's takes the best, but I also am like a fan of his podcast and stuff. And I know people call him a transphobe for this take. So I hope people don't think that about me. But he's basically like, you know, if you were uh, biologically a man and identified as a man until you were 30 years old, you had all the testosterone, all of the body density, the bone density of a man. And then at 31, you start taking estrogen and then you want to go fight MMA. Yeah, yeah, okay, you've been taking estrogen for three years, but you still have the 30 years of development of testosterone yeah. that men do, and it's just not the same, like you're saying. Like, it is it is a different thing. Now, I think there should probably be, like, a, a third division for those scenarios. Um, Perhaps, like, like a Special Olympics. Right, like, just... 
Everyone everyone is at the same capacity, at least. It's not that it's not that, you know, if you train your ass off, you shouldn't be able to get in there with me because I didn't train enough. It, it, It should be like, no, you you were born with a, you know, totally different setup. And this is an disadvantage that neither of us could help. So you should just be separated somehow. I I think like, I think it's a big deal also right now with the military because you have a lot of transition sailors who, you know, they want to transition in peace and they still feel like they should be able to serve. You know how much of the country does not want to serve and cannot qualify physically to serve. If I'm already here and I want to transition, so the fuck what you guys are paying for these surgeries, you're paying for the medication, you're paying for the, the everything healthcare related that I need to transition. Why are you going to kick me out? Which is, you know, I, I think that was part of uh, one of uh, Trump's um, right. plans to, yeah. you know, a lot of people separated that I knew that I didn't even know we're transitioning. However, you know, now with this, with the swing of that, with Biden, you know, doing away with the those policies. Now it's like, well, where the hell are they going to live? Because at the end of the day, I'm female. I don't want to live amongst men. And while you are now a female, I know that you weren't always female. And I may not feel comfortable with having to share a living space with you. You know, and now these people are once again ostracized. But it's who who are we going to make uncomfortable here? The people who have changed or the people who are who they were born as? and I think that's a really, really hard decision. And I think it takes some soul searching to really um, figure out what is right for you as an individual, because. Right. And kind of like we said earlier, can consider others when on a macro sense, you know, you're like, oh, of course it should go this way. And then, you know, personal people and you're like, oh, but for them, that would be fine. You know, just like we mentioned with racism earlier, like it is really complicated because there are so many different scenarios, you know, and I think what uh, I guess, I don't know, frustrates me is the right way, but what it is about the whole sports thing is like, you know, I don't care. People can live their life however they want, you know, with any sexuality they choose. But then for you to be like, no, no, you have to change your sports organization because of me. I'm like, well, now that's kind of weird. You know, yo, that's- or imagine Dennis Rodman. <laughs> like, yo, imagine that him in the WNBA when he was, you know, doing what he was doing amongst men. Who play a certain, I mean, when it comes to basketball, we, we play a, a different way, guys and girls. Women, they, they tend to be a little more aggressive defensively. Men tend to be able to do more physically on the offensive end. But imagine, you know, Dennis Rodman, you know, as, as wild and out there as he was doing what's more common now as far as transitioning and and just demolishing all of my favorite female players. You know, Joanna Mann was kind of fucked up, but kind of ahead of its time. <laughs> <laughs> that It just doesn't seem fair. But, you know, if you tell them you can't play here in this league, then it's not fair to them because, well, I'm a woman now. It's super complicated. Right. Uh, but again, I think everyone it should watch the show Transparent. That's where I've gotten all of my um, insight because, again, that's really why I'm Uh, I have some empathy, I guess. I watch a lot of TV shows and I'm like, I'll try to put myself in people's perspective. And uh, Transparent's really good. I think it covers it better than any other show I've watched. Uh, They cover a little bit in this Euphoria show, but it's like little kids. And, you know, I'm getting to that age where it's hard for me to watch teenagers talk about sex. I'm like, I feel awkward watching this show. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, man. Um, But all right. 
uh, I appreciate you being on here. Um, we'll definitely have you back on whenever you want. I don't know if I've told you, but I used your image on my Facebook banner to give me more diversity. So with that comes, you can be on whenever you want. Um, Absolutely. Thank you. I appreciate that. Tell them to go listen to more American, man. Let's have some really, really good discussions. Let's see each other. Let's come up with a solution. Um, oh, well, hey, will you send me a song and I'll play it here at the end? Absolutely. I'll send that right over. Awesome. Peace. All right. Peace. Destruction, kamikaze, Nazi punching. See me in the DMV, mumbo sauce on the all right luncheon. No cap, just capital punishment in the land of free. Get ready, my white man base gon' hear this and wanna banish me. Get ready for karma, play you harder than the armor truck. Life's a bitch and karma's a slut. You getting ran through or what? I celebrate the day that we ready to talk about what's real. Since evidence irrelevant, the elephant burst through the windowsill. Ready, you're left behind. Sage your lady, carry your baby. Low key one. Wanna be your homie, see grow to talk to you crazy Cause you was never cozy in your own skin Or solid on your own too You run behind those blessed with habits you All y'all sound alike so I'm ready Ready for something new But we gon' starve to death cause your lust for money is starving you Whole soul barbecue, that's galley ribs with no sauce Suffocate by your own false egos That's your fault, what you say G? No white Jesus gon' save me Get ready for Nat Turner part two With the hard two Follow through minus a William O'Neill tryna stomp through Yeah, no infiltrators this time Address me as queen baby leg My braids and navy regs Type 3 my dress code Now watch how you say my father name across my chest though Get ready, let's go Foot on the pedal That shit you ain't ready for This proof I've been the threshold Proud boys stormed the capital Couldn't have been our ass White protesters died and everyone cried Oh what a contrast Kenosha shooter Kyle and Dylan Roof your idol Shirley Chisholm my wisdom but Malcolm my style Good grief yo Y'all love to hear me rap about these free codes Labels telling my melanin ass misguide my people Fables getting spread on the news confusing sheeple When the cops that murdered Breonna Taylor still free and lethal